Pentecost a difficult subject to approach in the church today. But how many people know there are many difficult subjects to approach from the pulpit? There's just things you're not supposed to say up here like, you know, you really probably should put a little bit more effort in what it is that you're doing before you come to me. That's a difficult something to say to someone, especially someone that's struggling and someone that you know is going through things. Well, in this series here, you know, you're going to see that my way of looking at things is just a little bit different than what most people's way of looking at things are. I tend to lean towards the positive. I never, you know, I wasn't always that way, but that's kind of where I am right now. Instead of looking at you for where you are, I look at you for where I could see you being once you submit to God's glory. And I wasn't always this way. So don't think that I feel like I have arrived or anything like that. So what I did was I looked up the definition of a pillar, right? The definition of a pillar. 1A is a firm, upright support for structure. A usually ornamental column or shaft, especially one standing alone for a monument. A supporting integral or upstanding member or part of a pillar of society. Yeah, I'm skipping that one. A solid mass of coal, rock, or ore left standing to support a mine roof. A body part that resembles a column. And when I was talking to Pastor Steve earlier this week, I think it was yesterday at a wedding, and then he says, well, you know, a pillar is support. How many people in here need support? How many people in here have been support for other people, right? Now, and in, in what we are doing today, what I want you to understand today, it's the difference in being a part of society and being a part of the church body. The body of Christ is a whole lot different than society. As a matter of fact, we're exact opposites. They want what they can get. We want to see what we can give to one another and to the world so that they would know who Christ is. Most people in the world want all the attention to be on them. We want all of our attention to go to Christ. So that's making an altogether different concept. And so um, the definition of a pew sitter, couldn't find it nowhere on the internet. And we all know what some people say about pew sitters, right? Pew sitters are the ones that just come to church and soak it all in right? Pew sitters are the ones that just, you can't get them to do nothing and always got an excuse. I done heard it all. But then here's my definition of a pew sitter, and I'll get into it a little bit more later. A pew sitter from Pastor Earl from the book of Earl, right, is a person who has yet to discover what their role is in supporting the structure they have chosen to be a part of. Nobody's happy. That's that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good description of who you are in Christ when you very first come in the door. How many people come in here hurting? How many come in here with a need? How many come in here still not sure of who they are or where they stand? Heck, you have no idea of who you are in Christ, so how can you be effective in promoting the cause of Christ if you don't know nothing? Right? So you're not going to go from coming in the door to being a pillar. Why would anybody expect that of you? You're going to come in the door. You're going to sit. You're going to soak it in. You're going to be built up, and there's going to be things added to you. And then you grow to the point where you are a pillar. And now it makes sense to everybody in here, right? So 
let's get in to those of us that are expected to be the example. For me, in the church body, a pillar is an example first. How many of us come in here, latch on to somebody, recognize them for who they are and what it is that they do, respect and honor what that is, and then you say, dang, I wish I could do that. I'd be like, dang, I wish I could preach like him. Dang, I wish I had that example. I, I, I really wish that people would look at me in the eyes that they're looking at this other person. I've kind of grown out of that a little bit, but it was always a problem of mine. I've always compared myself to other people. So here's the deal. The first thing I would like us to look at is how a pillar would see themselves. A pillar it has a clear understanding of what their role is in supporting a structure, that structure being the body of Christ, okay? So we're all on the same page with that. Acts, I wouldn't be preaching if I didn't read out of Acts, huh? So anyways, Acts chapter 3, verses 15 and 16 reads like this. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you all can see. For those of you who are not familiar with the story and with the event in Acts 3, that was the lame man that Peter and John, they were going into the temple, and, they, and he says, hey, I need something. And they said, silver and gold we have not. But what we do have, we're going to depart to you. And when they departed it to him, he immediately gained strength and was able to move. How did they recognize who they were? Because they had a solid foundation of their understanding of who Jesus Christ is. If you are to be a pillar, if you are to be a, a, a support beam or part of a structure that's going to be holding up, you can't be standing there with weak arms. In other words, what you understand about yourself, the strength and the courage that you would have to speak out. You know something else I noticed about a pillar, and this is one of those cattail things. It just is. It's not standing there saying, hey, I'm a pillar. It's not drawing weight to it. The weight is naturally resting on it. And these men through their understanding and through their experience with Christ, was able to speak boldly and to be able to be effective into drawing attention, not to themselves, but to Christ. Everything they said was it was about Jesus. How many of us in here kind of, sort of, sometimes take credit for what God has done? I catch myself doing this sometimes. Right? And so if we don't understand, if we don't continually check ourselves on who it is that we are in him, that strength. You ever seen a, a column that's cracked? You know when a, the frame of a, of, of a car, when you're in an accident, if that frame gets bent, the car ain't no more good. They, they total it out. In the, kind of the same sense, if we get our focus off of who's really doing the work, we get kind of bent. We start to develop cracks. And then that's how the enemy would get in. Another scripture that I found that goes along with that 
is uh, Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 29. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. For those of you who don't understand uh, or haven't uh, read this uh, passage of scripture or you're not, it's, it's just now focusing in, what was going on was there was uh, race issues. Dang, I know I didn't just say that from the pulpit. Yes, there were race issues. And I'm looking out here, I see white people, I see black people, I see brown people, I see women, I see men. But no, I don't. All I see is believers in Christ. I see brothers and sisters, right? I see friends. I see partners in ministry and in fellowship. What I see when I, from my mind's eye, that's what I see. Not all of us see that. Those that will come in the door, not all of them will see that. But we, as pillars of this assembly, should always see the Christ in people and not the people in people. How well will we be able to get along if all we looked at was who somebody else was? How many people know they ain't going to get along with too many people? Right? <laughs> Thanks, Pastor Steve. I'm, I'm so serious. If we had to depend on ourselves to be able to get along and to be able to accomplish things, it's just not going to happen. Now, what was happening here was everybody got put on the same level. You know, I really get irritated at someone when they would say something about uh, females in leadership. That irritates me. And the reason why it irritates me is because not only do the women take on the leadership role in the body of Christ, but they run most of it. I mean, like, they do the physical labor part of being able to pull things off. Most of the people that I rely on in the benevolence ministry is female. The one that I rely on most, let me get that brownie point out of the way, is the one that's sitting in this front chair. She straightens me out. Everything good you see in me comes from that mind and me being able to hear it. Of course, I got Jesus leading me, of course. But you got to hear something sometime, right? She's my voice to kind of give me that balance. How many other times? And I'm just going to throw this out there. Um, let's just take the food ministry that we got from Costco. That's an extremely difficult ministry to be able to manage. And... Um, we have a couple of people that's been volunteering down there since we've had it, and they go at it. They have to sort through the food. They have to get it lined up on the tables. They have to uh, kind of get some kind of order to it. A lot of times they have to sort through the old stuff that we had um, before, and then they have to put it back. To, Come on, y'all. This is a process that takes time. And you know what? They're pillars. They are. They do an extremely difficult job and bear the burden of that weight, and they are invisible. How many people know who I'm talking about? Yeah, it's a few of us in here, huh? Well, they're sitting right over there if you want to know, Kay and Jen. They've been doing this for quite some time. Now, it, I, 
I'm just saying, when you put things out there like that, when we make them tangible and what it takes to make a ministry run, the Red, White, and Boom Festival, for those of you that came out, thank you so much. But I'll tell you what, I saw my wife getting ready for that. Her and Pastor Dawn was nonstop, like having to get this done, having to get that done, having to run here to get this, having to run there to get that, having to line people up to do this, having to line people up to do that. How many people did I line up? Zero. But I was out there preaching. Well, now, baby, I was, I, man, I must have walked about, I don't know, 100,000 steps that day. But that's my role. That's my part. But who did the work? You know uh, who else? Uh, what else can irritate me? Talk about someone that's new in ministry. Get frustrated with them. They're new to ministry. They're going to make mistakes. And a lot of us, we recognize people that's new in ministry, and we come down on them like they've been doing this for years. You know what? That's almost like messing with one of my kids. Don't you dare mess with my kid. Because they just don't understand. Right here, it's saying that we are all baptized. So we will clothe ourselves in Christ. So when you see me standing at that back door and I might not have a smile because, you know, I had a bad week, why don't you help me smile? Why don't you say, ooh, Earl, I see you got a haircut yesterday. Yes, yes, I did. Don't it look good? Now I'm smiling. Now I'm feeling good. Well, usually I ask people that goes through that kind of week, don't be at that door because we want to take care of the people that come in, right? We do. But some of us, every now and again, have a bad day. And if we clothe ourselves in Christ, if we wrap ourselves up in him, you know, like Lady D, I got to commend you for um, how you work worship. And that's taking me right into my next thing. A pillar supports other pillars. Whew. Oh, my God, this is getting ready to get hard now. It says in Galatians um, Chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. It says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then... They can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Well... See, come on, I want to hear some amens there. I want to hear some well, well, wells. How many of us get the focus off of what God is doing by checking out somebody else? Come on, let's just be real, all right? If you look next to you and you see an empty seat, think about the last person that you either didn't take the time to be interested in who they were or what it was that they were doing 
Just take a look at that empty seat and see if you had an encouraging word or you had a friendly hello. Just look at that empty seat and see if it wasn't a cousin, a sister, a brother, or somebody in your family that you made mad through something else and you wouldn't allow the Christ in you to go on ahead and be the peacemaker and settle that argument. And then uh, notice that he said that we have to carry our own load. How many people call the pastor first? All right, if you are a pillar, it's okay for you to go to God. He listens. It's okay for you to go to God. He listens. Right, when you get caught up, when you get down, when you ain't got nobody else to run to, you know, everybody be like, the devil going to get me. The devil going to get me. The devil going to get me. Oh, the pastor, that attack is oh so heavy. Okay, if the attack is so heavy on you, let's take a look at what it is that you're doing to promote Christ. If you're just going home, getting caught up on a series on Hulu or whatever channel it is that you got, if you so wrapped up in your kids' problems and in problems of um, being able to make it in the world, if you so caught up and hung up on yourself and carrying an offense around and not adding to the body of Christ, chances are it's not the devil that's trying to get the attention, but because you are a child of the living God and he loves you, a lot of times he might be trying to get your attention. You want me to tell you something we do as a church? A lot of time we rob God of his glory as a church. Being in the benevolence ministry, several times, crosses my desk. People need some money. Keep their lights on. Uh, people need food to go in their refrigerator. Uh, people need money to help them get their car, uh, car fixed or whatever. You know what? If you take care of what you're supposed to, I ain't saying stuff don't happen. Yes, stuff do happen. But let's face it. There are many people that come to us that we get in God's way of being able to allow them to go to him because we so busy trying to fulfill what that need is that um, why would they go to God when all they got to do is come to his church and I don't like saying no but let's face it look at these pews how much money do you really think that we got to be able to dole out like that well I'm just gonna be real if you look at what it is that we have to work with, don't look at this big old building. The word here says, don't take a look at your surroundings. That's kind of the way that I looked at that when he said, looking at other people, because we have to take in all of this as a whole, okay? But if you look at this building, when you come in this building, when people come in this building, they are impressed. Right now, when we were on the corner, when I was part of Solid Rock and we were on the corner of Belmont and Detroit, people would come in there and say, oh, these poor people, they need help. They're poor. So they'll open up their checkbooks. Right now they come into this majestic Masonic, used to be Masonic Hall, this huge building. They don't see the paint peeling back there in the corner. What they see is the fancy lights. So we're not poor people anymore. We are a people that are supposed to 
be growing into being somebody that's helping somebody else. Well, how are we going to grow in to being somebody that helps somebody else if all we want to do is stay where we're at? People, no, 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 we can't do this. There has to be, at some point, a part of the process that would allow you to support yourself. We got some people that come in automatically supporting themselves. They come in, boy, they see a sag in that over there, they be like, ooh, I got this. What's crazy is some of the other people that's been here for a while say, well, why you got them doing that? I could be doing that. Mm, You could have been doing that two years ago. I'm just saying. So, man, this is getting hard. (laughs) Here's where it gets better. Here's where it gets better. (laughs) I'm sorry, y'all, but my heart hurts. I'm even looking out here right now at so much potential. And you know what? I'll be able to get into it later, but when you have been a part of my life for quite some time, and I see no progress. Now, I know how jacked up I was. All right? And praise be to the glory of God and the work that he has done in me and the people that he has put in my life. I am a changed man. You know what? I walk in purpose and authority now. Not because I think that I'm all of that, but because I know who my God is. That's the authority and the power that I walk in. When I walk in this building and I see empty seats and I don't see a line going around the corner for this cure to this social economic uh, disaster that this country has become, when I don't see people coming to the cure for all of that because we don't have a people that we're raising up that will go out there and bring them in because of the joy that they have in their heart. How many people actually really felt God this morning. If you didn't spiritually, you're dead. I'm just going to put it out there. And the reason why I'm putting it out there, because if my heart isn't breaking for the loss, especially the loss that is in this building, then I'm not doing my part. I am not supporting the way that I should be supporting. So if you leave here today the same way that you came in, I did something wrong. It's my responsibility. I'll I'll own that. But now the blood is no longer on my hands because you've been made aware that you need to check yourself. You need to check yourself. If you leave here mad to the point where I ain't going back there, this dude, uh uh-uh, no, no, no. All right, the blood's not on my hands. We give everyone the opportunity to find themselves here. If you can't make it at Vision Ministries, you can't make it anywhere. I'm just going to tell you, we're pretty loose here. Am I lying? How many people just, I just want to know. And I'm not taking a survey or nothing because bad things happen when you do that. But if you came in here beat up, busted up from the world, if you came in here hurting with offenses, um, and that has been built up over time. If you are in here and you came and you just have um, bad 
emotional experiences with those that you have loved most that have stepped on you and have used you to the end and you just needed some spiritual um, bring back or come up and um, all of a sudden you come in here what is the first thing you feel when you come through these doors I feel love and most people that visit here they say oh we feel the love yeah you're gonna feel that we are a hospital for the sick spiritually wrecked and it is our purpose to nurse you back to health but to be healthy and to remain acting injured is not something that should be allowed and as campus pastor here it's not something that's going to be allowed if you are healthy and you are able to contribute I think, listening to what the word here says, you reap what you sow. If you sow nothing, you get nothing. You go into worship and you don't want to give to God, you ain't getting nothing from God. You go into ministry and you want to get something out of it for yourself, you really ain't going to get anything for it. Because when you do ministry, you don't do it for you. Who do you do it for? You do it for God. That's why it's called ministry. Well, a lot of people, they get that turned around. You know, sometimes I feel obligated to do something for somebody because of how hard they work. But when I'm working hard, I never expect anything. Why should I expect to give someone else something for doing what it is that I'm teaching them to do? Why should, how many people expect their kids to learn stuff by osmosis? Here, watch me, Billy. This is how you do this. You take it. You open it, and you set it down. Let's see you do it. That's what you do, right? You don't just take it, open it, set it down, then walk away, and then come back and say, hey, Billy, was you watching me when I did that? Let me see you do it. It don't work that way. You take time out. You sit down with Billy, and you explain to Billy the mechanics of what it takes to make that happen. Not only is Billy going to be able to do that job, but he's going to be able to do that job exceptionally well. If you can give him the reason behind having to do those things, not only will he be able to do that exceptionally well, but he's going to be able to teach others to do it. And in teaching others to do it, that's going to add to whatever it is that is necessary. Let's just throw that church body in there. That seat next to you won't be empty if I taught you how to go out there and go after people the way that my heart wants to see people gone after. Are we on the same page with that? And so that leads me right into my next one, which is really good. A pillar inspires others. Yay. Come on, somebody got to say amen to that. A pillar, we are inspiration. I mean, how cool is it? I get on... You're either going to love me or you're going to hate me. There ain't nothing in between. Because, you know, people think that it's my coffee that make me like this. But anybody that knows me that's been around me for a while, Pastor Steve, my wife, Lady D, Pastor Albert, is he's with me. Because, you know, he's just got more energy because he's 10 years younger. But here's me. Um, man, I love making people happy. I love making people smile. So when I come in the room, I'm coming in the room like this. What's up? How y'all doing? All the time. Does that mean that I don't have my struggles? Nope. By the time I get to y'all, y'all think that life is all great. Right? But it takes a lot of work. It takes that woman a lot of work to get me to that point. 
to where when I get in front of y'all, it's that way. And that's my inspiration. That's my pillar. That's my um, support. But let's go to Romans and see what has to be said about that. Romans chapter 12, verses 10 through 13 reads like this. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. Y'all got to be feeling it. Now, y'all just got slammed. I ain't gonna lie to y'all. That was a hard word that I gave y'all. Y'all just got slammed. But right now, you should start to rejoice because most of our body does all of that. I said most of. I'm just being real, right? And it's not just from a pastor's viewpoint. It's from the witness of others that come around that don't know nobody. When it says when to be devoted to one another in love. Everybody, first report, most of the cards would say, oh, everybody was so nice when I came in the door. And oh, I feel so at home here. Okay, you can feel all of that right now. But it goes on to say that you should honor one another above yourselves. This is where we run into a few problems. What about me? And what about me? What about my niece? Why I got to do this? Why I got to work an ECD for the 14th week? Right? Why I got to be up in kids' church every week? Why I got to be at the door all the time? Why I got to be in the sound room all the time? You know why? Because you didn't go after somebody and say, look at me. Look what I'm doing. That's where the zeal part, that's where the joy comes in. You know why I stay up there on that stage and I'm on the worship team? God, I love what Lady D brings to and adds to my life. As a matter of fact, most of the ministries that I've ever been a part of, it's never been the ministry part that has helped me grow. It's the fellowship through ministry that has helped me grow. See, that's because every, just about everybody that I've ever worked with in ministry, they would add to me. They're not sucking from me. A lot of people feel like, oh, God, if I give her this time. Oh, God, if I have to go up there and do one more thing. Oh, God, if I have to deal with this person one more time. No, this should not be, brothers and sisters. If we are going according to the word of God in Romans chapter 12, where he says uh, that we should be patient in affliction and faithful in prayer. How can you come out of prayer mad? How can you? Right? It's like when I know Renee is upset with me, when I know people are upset with me, I am so serious. I used to be like, oh, let me try to do something. Let me try to do something. Let me try to do something. Not no more. Shoot, I got a secret weapon now. His name is Jesus. All right? I don't care. It could be something minor. Right? I could have forgot to turn those eggs. Anybody ever had Smoky House uh, from Burnt Eggs? Burnt Eggs, Smoky House. Burnt Boiled Eggs, Smoky House. Oh, that can make your wife real mad. Because that smell don't leave for a couple of days. It's worse than frying fish. Right? Because you decided to take a nap 
<laughs> Don't tell me I'm the only one that did that. You got to scrub down walls. You got to scrub down cabinets. You got to hit woodwork. You got to wash curtains. You got, you, there's some work for you to do behind that. But then the, 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 word, the word says that we should practice hospitality. I'll tell you what. We have some very hospitable people in this house. We have people that opens up the doors to their home to other people, invite them over for dinner with their 12 kids, their dogs, their cats, and their neighbors, and a couple other people that just happen to be walking past the house. We got people that's like that, amen? Right? I'm not the only one that be invited over to somebody's house and get there and it's already like 17 people there. You'd be like, dang! like he's got it going on today. He should have told me it was going to be, but he always cooks way more than enough, so I always take food home, so I love going over there, <laughs> right? But we are to be devoted to one another in love, honoring one another above ourselves, and we are to be never lacking in zeal. My interpretation of that, or the way that I felt about that is, who wants to be around somebody that's always complaining about what it is that they're doing? You're trying to talk them into doing that. You're trying to get them to say, "Woo, this is so cool. You know, it's like, I want people to say, oh, dang, dude, you went at church Sunday? Whoo, you missed it. What? Did Pastor Earl throw it down? No, man, worship was off the chain. People got healed. People left here relieved. I just felt so good and so close to God in that moment. Oh, it's just carrying me through the week. Well, see, y'all ain't going to remember nothing that I said today anyway. That's, that's just being real. How do I know? Pastor Albert takes money down there to the, uh, to the meal every Wednesday, and he's paying people to remember what it is that I said, and they can't even do it for money. A day, two days later. So what experience can you have outside of me up here trying to convince you of how special you are to God other than the relationship that you would have with others in the body? It's just so funny to me how there are many of us that come in here hurting and leave hurting and know that there are people that has a genuine, genuine concern for your well-being all because you're not comfortable enough in who you are in him to allow that work and that change to happen. See, this is where my definition of our pew sitters come in to play. And Pastor Ben called me, and he asked me about this next slide. I wish he was here so that he could see how it ties into my whole sermon. If you look at to what my definition of a pew sitter is, um, in my mind's eye, the pew sitter being the person who has yet to discover who they are in Christ, you would see it the way that I see it. Pew 
imitators are our future. If you take this last verse that I just read that says that we are to be devoted to one another in love, if you look at what it says about us being able to keep our spiritual fervor and serving the Lord and to be joyful in hope, then you would see how all of that ties in to the pew sitter being our future. How do I know that? Because I got my start in ministry walking around with one of these. Pastor Steve know this bucket because he got his start the same way. <laughs> As a matter of fact, all of the people that we have in leadership in this ministry either started with one of these or the lawnmower, the broom, Stupid bus. Oh, God, thank you, Lord, that Pastor Josh and Joy don't believe in the bus. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I should, I should speak in tongues on that one, shouldn't I, Pastor Steve? But you know what? I started with this because I was hurting so bad and I was so distraught and lost that I was willing to do anything to kind of sort of be like the guy that was in charge at that time. Right? I mean, I came up here to the church and he would be in the bathroom relining the garbage. Yep, see? Yep. There they are. I hate these bags too because they rip when you put them in, don't they? We still got the same sorry bags. I need to do something to change that. <laughs> but anyways, those of us, well, my reason, and I'm just going to use me as a, an example here, for doing this was because the person that I seen doing it was the guy that I seen up here. And I'm like, wait a minute, you're the pastor. You can't be doing this. He says, why not? And I said, well, you're the pastor. He said, uh-huh. And he said, and, and, and as the pastor, if somebody comes in here and the windows are dirty, what was Pastor Teeth had two pet peeves. One, dirty windows. If he came up to this church and them, remember the big black ugly doors that was on here? That, those were cool because we didn't have to clean those that much. But... I had to fire a guy once because he refused to clean the windows. And if he walked up to this church and he seen fingerprints on the windows on a Sunday, and he was usually one of the first ones here, I would get a call. Earl, why are the windows dirty on the church? Crud. So I had my little squeegee thing and I had my little spray and I come up here and I clean the windows. Dirty floors. He hated dirty floors. So I'd walk through here, make sure that the nap was different. Huh, Steve, you remember those inspections, right? And so what I'm saying is he was very detailed in this part of ministry because he didn't want somebody to come in here to a dirty toilet or dirty floor or not be able to see in. That's the way I kind of figured it. And even if he took it as a personal task that needed to be done, he was more than willing to do it. 
So, in other words, he was a great example, which made him uh, give me the desire to say to it, listen, you don't have to worry about this part of it anymore. I got this. What I didn't know was that it was 11 bathrooms in this building, and people found a way to use every last one of them. And not only did they find a way to use every last one of them, but they found a way to make you feel pretty jacked up about being the one that had to go in there and do whatever you got to do in there. Anyways, let's get to the word and see what it has to say. How we tie this in to the pew sitters being our future. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, it reads like this. Therefore, rid, your, rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like a newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. I want to tell you, beautiful people, I did not taste milk over a clogged up toilet. I didn't think it was sweet when I had to scrub that toilet out. I truly, truly, truly did not feel love when I was mopping around. I don't know how dudes miss it so bad. Those yellow stained up <laughs> toilets. Basis, because all that stuff got checked. Steve will bear witness to that, <laughs> right? So all of this stuff was not easy. But here's what happened, though. As I was doing these things, I was encouraged by a man that I'd seen has shut all of that stuff and all of those feelings that I was going through. I mean, he didn't just let me do it. He came beside me, and he picked up that brush, and he scrubbed just as hard as I did. Now, he did not unclog not one toilet. But here's what he did do. He gave me a great idea. Anybody ever seen our plunger downstairs? With the long, long handle? That was Pastor Keith's idea because he said, Earl, I seen that stuff splash up and hit you in your forehead. You need to give yourself some distance. Come on, y'all. So... I come in on a Sunday. Now, this is crazy. This very same man that looked down in that toilet and said, you crazy if you're going to get that close to it. I come in, and he probably delivered one of the worst sermons he felt like he ever preached. But for me, it's one of the best sermons he ever delivered because he gave me a life's a lesson and me being willing to sacrifice of my time and to look into a dirty toilet and say, you don't always have to let the crap splash you in the face. Get out the way. There are tools to help you not have to take that crap in the face. Making some of y'all want to clean toilets now, huh? We need the help, <laughs> right? So I'm looking at this verse, and I'm looking at a pew sitter. I want y'all to know the reason why I consider myself a pew sitter at that time, even though I was active doing things, my relationship with God really wasn't right.
got real quiet in here. I'm a little nervous. But let's just look at where we're at, okay? My relationship with God really wasn't right. I just wanted change. I didn't know what change I wanted. I just wanted change. And many of us come to church, and that's what we're looking for, a change. How many billions of dollars do you think is spent on tarot cards readers and, and you know, when people come in and I give them a word of knowledge, they keep coming back because I'm pretty accurate in that word of knowledge. And it saves them a lot of money because I know quite a few of them that was going to those readers in that. And then they said, why should I go to a reader when all I got to do is go into church and give them $5 and, hey, I'm good for the week. Right? So, anyways, my relationship with God at that time wasn't right. I was just coming to church. And I knew if I just kept coming to church, there was something that continued to draw me here. I know what it was. I really, really, really liked Pastor Keith. I grew to love the man. How many people do you have in this body that you love, that you spend time with? See, that's important. If you don't feel loved, if you don't feel a part of, you're going to keep searching until you find it. Right? And this is what happens to any inner city churches. This is why they die. We don't know how to treat true relationships that has real love. This is why the word says that you are to want to crave that spiritual milk. The spiritual milk is, gives you the foundation, and it gives you a taste of the goodness of the Lord. And then you begin to crave even more of that. And then you begin to live it out, and it begins to bring about change. I never knew how much I had changed until one day I woke up and they told me I was going to be a children's pastor. Blew me away. I knew they just wanted me to be the children's pastor because my wife was amazing. But then Pastor Keith told me, no, you are a children's pastor along with your wife. In other words, we see the same qualities in you. I'm like, you do? Don't you know I could just take these little kids and hold them by their neck and watch them run in the air and I get pleasure out of it? <laughs> right? I ain't even going to tell y'all about the time I went there. They came in and I was jumped by 30 kids. And Pastor Keith said, Earl, you can't be throwing those kids around like that. I'm like, what else can I do? He said, we could get sued. I was like, well, we may as well make it worth our while. And I took one of the little ones and just swung him around and knocked the rest of them. Oh, Robin, those were your, those were you. Yeah, they did. They kept coming back. <laughs> Let's go to Philippians and shut this thing down. Let's go to Philippians chapter 3. This is a pretty long verse, and um, let's just see what God does to your heart. I want you to listen to these verses with your heart, All right? Mark them down in your Bible. This is like, these are like life verses for me. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took, a hold, took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting all that is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature 
should take such a view of such things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Brothers and sisters, I don't beg much outside of my household. I beg my kids to do stuff sometimes. Well, I don't got to do that no more. They grown and they understand authority. I beg my wife a lot because she got everything that I want, right? But when it comes to this, I don't beg a whole lot. But as Paul would say, I beseech you, my brothers and sisters, to if you take nothing else away from today, you take this, right? When we are speaking of spiritual maturity, it is not spiritual uppityness. There I go, making up words again. All right? Spiritual uppityness. Spiritual stuck-upness. Spiritual nudiness. Spiritual put me through the front of the line. Spiritual, when I walk in, the whole room better notice that it's me. That's why I wear this crazy big hat that nobody likes. That's why I got on the crazy dress with different flowers going different ways that makes everybody else dizzy. That's why I am the loudest person in the room. That's why when I come in, I got to give everybody a high five or a hug or a kiss. That's why whenever I do, no, those aren't the things that you to be trying to attain in your maturity. The thing that I like about this verse is that he says, I have not yet arrived to where I feel I should be. In other words, I am always striving. I am always reaching. I am always moving forward to what I know to be the prize this way. So if I come to you with an understanding that this is still a work in process, that I am still working towards the things of God that I need to attain. But here's the thing. I have gotten to a certain point where I can be an example to others. And in that example that I set, I want it to be the same as the example that was set for me. In other words, I am still that very same person. Oh, if you can come up here on any other day, you'll see me with a bucket like this to this day. As a matter of fact, last week, I had to mess with the handicapped bathroom pump that got jammed up, huh, baby? You made me take everything off before I came in the house, didn't I? Standing on the back porch, naked. Don't you be coming in my house with that stuff, that smell, ooh! And let me tell y'all something. Looking at floaties here at Vision Ministries ain't pretty. It still ain't pretty. But I'll tell you what, I did have the long plunger. I had the long one. So here's all that I'm saying is that if we have and would be the example for the person that's coming in that's still trying to figure it out, Instead of looking at that person that's been here for five years just sitting there and saying, you lazy, 
you just sucking it all in. You getting so doggone spiritually obese, we're going to have to roll you out of here. Instead of looking at them that way, let's look at them this way. God, I am so glad that that wasn't heard, was it? <laughs> I just called people fat. Yeah, I did. So, <laughs> yes, I got that right, didn't I? Spiritual obesity. Instead of trying to figure out a way to roll them out the door, let's figure out a way to help them exercise and fill other people up with all that fat. They've been taken in for so long, they got to have something to offer. So let's find out what it is that they have to offer. And instead of insulting them and making them feel less than and chasing them off for somebody else to be able to enjoy all of that, you know what? The best part of the meat to me is the fat meat. Boy, don't trim my steak. Boy, you leave that fat on there. That's where all the flavor is at. Am I lying? I got butchers over there. But I don't like seeing spiritually fat people. I like seeing spiritually fit people. Can we be a spiritually fit body? Can we be a body that is so on the run, that is so on fire, that has so much zeal, that, has, that is so willing to help one another along the road to bring the young ones along even if they are old like me can we be that kind of body can we be the kind of body where there's people waiting to get in can we be the kind of body not because of what we say not because of what we do but because of who we are this is what my dream is for this campus it's to see us as God's people live as God's people. Amen. Amen. Can I get you up on your feet, please? Whew. Be careful, man. I don't know about that toilet brush. It's, it's a little weak. I had to get that switched out this week. I looked at that thing. I'm like, dang, that's bare. You got screwed up for a long time. If you could do me a favor and just consider, just consider where you are with God right now. If you're visiting today, it's okay. You got quite some time that you could sit there in that pew. <laughs> if you've been here for a while and you still don't feel like you found your way, or you feel like there's more that you can add, or if you're willing to take on and to mentor somebody and to bring them along, if you have confidence in who you are in him, I want you to consider that and to consider how you can add to the vision of being a physically fit, mature pillar, not just of society, but of the body of Christ and help him promote who he is and sharing his love and promoting his name through your witness and through your example, through your strength and courage through hard times, through your support through the storms that could go through the lives of those that don't know him, for family who knows that you go to church, that sees you different at the family gatherings. No longer are you with the party side, but you with the holy roller side. To be able to make your message loud and clear, not with the words that you speak, but the actions that you take. 
if you're if you're ready to get to another level in who you are in Christ, I'm going to encourage you to just come down here with me. I'm not going to line people up and pray over them. You know what? It's time for us to get to a point where we could pray for ourselves. It's time for us to go to God in confidence in knowing that he hears our prayers. Now, I am going to go through and I am going to lay hands on a few people and probably Sister Pat might feel, feel the unction to, to do so. And I do have people here that will pray for you. For those of us who, who are not yet at that point or we just feel like we need somebody to agree, that is always available to you here. But I also want to see growth in that. You know that you know that you know that you are a child of the living God. And that he loves you enough to do what he will do for you.